0: G'day, groovy humans, and welcome to a groovy enlightened life. Today on the show, we are talking with Leah Kearns. Leah is the founder and CEO of We Being, a business and a social enterprise on a mission a mission to help as many individuals as they can to become well beings, assisting you on your well being journey. And when we improve our well being as an individual, it can only create a positive ripple effect not just in our lives but in the lives of the people around us in our workplaces and in our communities and I love the vision and the dedication and focus that Leah has in regards to making this possible in the world. I hope you can join us on the episode today. Sit back, relax, grab a cuppa. Let's get cracking. We have a special guest today, Leah Kearns. Welcome to the show, Leah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: So to get started, how about you introduce yourself and what you do in the world?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm the founder and conscious CEO of a company called Being, And Being is a working with wellbeing specialist company. So this means that we have a social mission to help 147,000 People to become well beings by December 2022.
0: Wow. So you've actually got a target. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so when did this kick off?
1: So WeBeing has been formed over the last five years. And I originally left corporate to basically have a meltdown as my well being <laughs> collapsed. And so WeBeing was born out of the back of that because I realized that I really needed to be in the way of work differently than what I had been so uh, eventually over those five years I would moved into private practice with my with by myself and that kind of developed into actually there's a real opportunity here to collaborate with others and also my backgrounds in technology so it kind of came to this point of saying if we want to make it easier to be in work how do we do that using technology And then I started to work with a lot of other practitioners who were clients who were basically saying to me that they found doing all the things all the time overwhelming. So Mm. in working in online business, especially, there's all these different components that you have to kind of put together yourself. And then on top of that, you've then got to manage it all yourself too. So, um, you know, instead of just turning up and helping people like you want to, you've actually then got to do all this business stuff as well. And so I saw the opportunity to really help people to overcome that and to navigate it in a way that feels good for them but also takes away that burden. So that's kind of what we do with WeBeing and it was born directly out of the experiences that I was having and that my clients were having.
0: Mm, interesting. So you do have a, your own wellbeing journey. Is that something you can share with us today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, at the point where I came to finishing up in my corporate life, At that stage five years ago, uh, I came to really the point of sitting in the car after a really heavy, hard day and realizing and just having like a crying breakdown, realizing I just couldn't do it. And then over the course of that weekend, I was sitting on the balcony on Sunday afternoon and I was due to get on a early morning flight the next day to fly up to Sydney to go and do some work because I'm based in Melbourne. And I was sitting there looking out over the city and you know all the gorgeousness that we have and just really thinking to myself, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. It doesn't feel right. Something's not right here. Um, I'd started getting old signs and symptoms of depression and fatigue and anxiety and this real sense of um, repression and repression that kind of was like my soul telling me that there's, there's just something deeper going on here and I needed to wake up and I needed to start dealing with what was going on in my body and what was presenting itself then as my external world and reality and really come to understanding that this, the symptoms of what I was experiencing as my sickness, as my fatigue, fibromyalgia, um, mm. endometriosis, you know, these were all things that actually were trying to tell me that something wasn't working and mm. that I was continuing to get sicker and sicker. And I'm positive that if I hadn't done something, something really terminal would have come my way because it was building to that extent.
0: Mm, Wow. So in your experience, did you feel that like your well-being sort of um, digressed or got worse um, due to maybe a misalignment to something within your life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for the preceding three years before that, so that was basically my third burnout in as many years. And I had roles and at that point I was actually consulting, but I was doing more hours consulting this one client than what I had been doing as a full-time employee even and the roles that I'd had over the preceding three years were big roles they were general manager roles and um you know the role before that was the head of uh project management for Olympic operational games overlay for working with Westfield so they weren't small roles you know Mm -hmm. and they weren't by any means um roles where I could come up and do the nine to five and clock off and go home so you know it had kind of been building over the course of time then to get to the point where it was just this all encompassing stress load and I've seen it time and time again especially with um, people who are working in corporate where they start to perhaps do something for their well-being like yoga or meditation or mindfulness exercises or something like that and then they almost feel this calling and this massive pull to exit the workplace with corporate and go and be a teacher in this other space or this other modality. But that in itself brings its own stresses. And, you know, leaving corporate in the way that I did a a big cut and dry kind of exit. um, I then had that transition to make as well for myself in experiencing okay well here I was this hand-hunted consultant person and now here I am stripped of all of who I am based Mm. on what I did and the income and and the lifestyle that came with that right so um yeah I think that it was a really big transition in that way and it definitely was building over time to get me to that point of having that moment of I can't do this anymore
0: Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I hear the same stories. I, even myself, I did the whole, um, completely leave the workforce, um, to deal with my stuff. And I guess, you know, is, does it always have to be that way? Do you find that, um, everybody has to make that massive jump?
1: Yeah. I, I think the thing that we really are trying to advocate for as, as I've built we being into what it is now, um, and as we continue to grow and develop in what's needed with workplaces, and, and that goes from all the way down from solo workplaces, all the way then, and what we're experiencing at the moment with remote working and working from home, and then in, in once things go back to a sense of what they were before, we'll see that in the workplaces, things will change again. So... We would like to be a part of mediating those conversations in workplaces and helping people to navigate flexible working in a way that actually benefits both sides, benefits the person who's needing it for their own sense of well-being and their responsibilities and conflicting um, needs in home and also with the responsibilities that they have with friends and family and in their community. But then also, I think in the workplace, because uh, corporations, organizations, academic uh, institutions and governments, they still need to have this certain level of productivity. They still need to have a certain output of things in order to keep all of these things functioning. So I think um, being able to have those conversations about what does that look like for people and is it possible to actually do a split and a green time of perhaps um, job sharing or, Uh, going down and being a contractor for three days a week and having that person show up and do that entire workload in three days and then in the other two days maybe they can come in and teach mindfulness or they can come in and offer a yoga class to the organization so that's really where we're headed in terms of um, what we hope to facilitate in that space as well we hope to be a key partner in those conversations and help people to come to agreements on what that might look like for both sides.
0: Yeah, and I guess um, then companies can also keep people, you know, because I, I do often hear the conversations that we're losing all the good people, um, you know, to other things. Uh, we can't keep them.
1: That's right, because when people exit, you know, they take so much knowledge with them. They take not only um, knowledge about the way things work, but it's that deeper knowledge. It's the deeper knowledge of it's it's the stuff that I believe actually is what powers the company in the first place like the people and what they have and how they interact and how they're in relationship with them each other and uh, the other employees or contractors but especially the clients you know that even if you're somebody who's in finance and you don't think that you've got a direct client facing role you're having an effect on the experience that that client is getting from the service that the company's providing or product that the company's providing so yeah, I think it's a big loss when not only talent but also just genuine connectors who are inside mm-hmm. companies, you know, the quiet workers who um, just turn up every day and get done what they need to get done. That That is still a major loss, whether people class them as being major talent or not. To me, that's a leader as well. And so losing something like that is beyond i think a financial cost there's a huge cost to um organizations culturally and in the way that they also come together as a community
0: Mm, absolutely now you mentioned that we being as a conscious space business is that correct yes so can you yeah so can you describe a little bit about what that means and i know it seems to be quite a bit of a buzzword these days about conscious businesses conscious leadership so could you share your thoughts around that
1: yeah i can so The way that I sort of look at consciousness is really about taking a more holistic view of things. So it's giving consideration and having awareness for people, planet and profit. So to me, it's a triple bottom line. Uh, It is really about being able to be present in the way that you're working, in the way that you're operating your business, in the way that you're interacting with people. And it actually doesn't take all that much more effort from what I've experienced and from what our clients experience as well. It really is about bringing a more mindful way to business and uh, taking consideration in the way that you're um, going about your tasks in your day. So really setting yourself up to experience your way in work as something that can be joyful and something that can offer you something back other than just getting the task complete. Because um, I know that previously you've had a speaker come on to talk about um, strengths-based assessment. And for me, that that world really changed and underpinned a lot of how we approached our business differently with We Being, because it meant that part of that well-being is vitalizing yourself by doing the stuff that you love. And that gives you energy and it feeds that um, sense of what's possible for yourself by working in in a way that is uplifting your vitality and contributing to your well-being
0: Mm, yeah that's great so you know often i often talk about um with people around how our spiritual life or our spiritual practice is not actually supposed to be separate from our everyday existence it's it's one and all essentially could you share how someone could bring their spiritual practice to their, their working life?
1: Yeah, sure. So the way I kind of consider spiritual practice, um, I see spirituality as the journey of returning to self. So whatever that means for you. And a lot of people will say to me, I don't understand how to meditate. I can't do it. It's not possible for me. And to me, there's so many forms of meditation. It can be in washing the dishes. To me, it's when you zone out and you do let your thoughts wander. And, you know, quite often when if you're learning to meditate, people say, um, you know, the idea is to clear your mind and empty your mind. But to me, the practice is actually about being able to observe what is there without attachment to it, without, Um, a sense of ownership of it and so therefore to be able to work in that way really is about being able to bring that sense of awareness and that sense of insight to um, to practice what that is as you're going about your day because there's very few of us who can sit on a mountaintop and have the time to be able to meditate for nine hours straight. Right. And probably there's a lot more of us who don't even have that inclination to want to (laughs) do that. So this way, it gives you a sense of, and to me, it's not even like, we don't even advocate for making a separate time in your day to do a practice. It is literally about if I'm going to sit down and do reconciliation of my accounts, How might I approach that in a way that makes me feel good? You Mm -hmm. know, and we're all about, we'll put together an experimentation, like do something that where you can see the evidence of the way that you're going about something differently and what the outcome is for you, you know, and it's not about then judging that outcome, but it's about being able to observe what happened and then you might want to tweak that experiment the next time and then after you run a series of experiments you can kind of start to see a trend in the way that you approach things or things that feel good for you and from there you can build a practice. So the practice basically becomes the way you do something and that doesn't mean that the practice is then defined and that's the only way you ever do something, right? It, you yeah. can revisit that and do a new experiment. That's
0: it. <laughs> experiment. <laughs> Absolutely. So would you call that um, I guess working with intention, working with purpose, you know, like bringing that into our everyday lives a little bit more?
1: Yeah, so for me, I would class that as part of working with well-being because well-being is such a holistic piece of mind, body, and spirit, of mind, body, and soul, of things that are tangible and intangible, um, that it's really, to me, but it extends beyond that, right? When I talk about working, I don't just mean the aspect of how you make money and how you earn an income. I mean the way that you approach life and the way that you show up with other people in your life or the way that you keep your home or, The way that you parent your children, you know, that to me is all a form of work. And so it offers this opportunity to approach it in a different way and to come from a place of uh, a more mindful and appreciative response for what you can actually experience in that. So you mentioned
0: before, obviously, you got to a breaking point and you sat there and, you know, you started to realize something had to shift and change. Uh, What what was that point like? Like what's, what did you do next, I guess?
1: Yeah, so really uh, that point for me was a bit of a nightmare really because getting to the point of having that breakdown in order to have the breakthrough, there's very few people who can actually understand that and appreciate it fully unless you've experienced it yourself. And I know these days far more people are um both unfortunately and fortunately having that experience I say fortunately because it tends to lend itself to then creating a life that is truly working for you but unfortunately it's a dark hole it's deep and it's dark and it's, it feels bottomless when you're in it and it feels as though nobody can reach you um that nobody can even throw a ladder down for you uh and the way I often will talk about it is that it kind of comes as three stages, right? The first stage is you're in it and you're in the cycle. And until you're willing to want to move out of that cycle, the only way you can do that is actually by taking self responsibility and seeing and knowing that it's I'm the only person who's in this deep, dark hole place. Um, and I'll often refer to it as the Valley of Shiz because (laughs) you literally got to wade through all the junk that's there to be able to take that self-responsibility. So through that then, um, that's pretty much how I came to be facing it all. And I took six months off. I was in a very fortunate position to be able to do so. And I basically was on retreat in my apartment I was retreated from the world and, you know, funnily enough, like the self-distancing um, that I experienced at that time has really set me up to be able to manage and cope in both in being in online business but also in our current climate too. And so having that time to really be in reflection, um, I'd just at that point been newly engaged And it's very hard to explain what's going on in those times and in those circumstances. But fortunately, I had a very loving and caring and patient partner who let me work through what my process needed to be with it. So there was a sense of grief. There was a sense of loss. There was a sense of complete, I don't know who I am, what I'm doing, why am I here, like all the big questions in life, um, which I worked through over six months and then Coming out the other side of that, we actually took a trip to Central America, uh, and a very good friend of mine was our tour leader who basically took us to all these sacred sites. And so part of that was a complete activation and remembrance of, and when I say that, I mean, when I was at those sites, I could just feel that there was something different. That there was something that was coming from just even being in those places, being sitting and looking at these big pyramids and just zoning out, like using my imagination, some people might say, or visioning. And at that time I was really trying to cultivate a practice of meditation, of stillness, of quietness, because I'd come from such a world where it was so noisy and shoddy all the time. And constantly going you know so I was very lucky to be able to have that time and that space to be able to do what I needed to do and be guided by what was possible for me in that time and the key key synchronicity was um, I'd signed up to start a course on intuition somebody had teaching was teaching it online uh, and I signed up and it started two days after that I terminated my contract with my client So. It was, you know, this weird synchronicity that eight weeks later, here I was at the end of that and I realised everybody had intuition and it was just that we'd either forgotten or that nobody spoke about it or that somewhere along the line somebody had told you, um, you're too sensitive, you're to this, you you can't do that, um, stop, using, stop being so imaginative, stop making things up, you know, whatever that it was. So we stopped connecting with it. And that was a huge moment of uh, now that I know this, I can't unknow this.
0: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the so one. So you went through a period of, I guess, probably self-identifying again. Like, yeah. can you, you share that experience?
1: Yeah, so um, now I can kind of see that it was a process of rebuilding who I thought I was. And even once I thought I knew that, it's been an ongoing process. Like even this week alone, I've had um, a reconnection with the fact that there is a sense of innocence there. And I suppose after going through my corporate life, my experience was to become quite jaded and to become quite judgmental of situations. And um, because in that environment, I was being forced to make decisions so rapidly that had huge consequences for things, that my gut reaction wasn't enough. I needed to base that on evidence of things that I had experienced previously to be able to then justify why I was making those decisions, right? And it wasn't just about money on paper in columns evidence. It was about, well, see evidence A, B (laughs) and D, and, you know, that's that's how it was. It was literally some days like being on the jury, you know, the inquiry stand and justifying then to the jury about you know, why things were happening the way they were. And so I guess it, that sort of led me to this space of really taking that apart and trying to figure out who was I as a child? And even as a child, was I who I really am? Or it, was that even just something <laughs> that I constructed in, in order to help me be in my family? And, you know, there were aspects of that for me. Um, my parents divorced when I was a teenager. And so part of that is coping mechanisms, part of that is I'm independent, part of that is I'm okay. You know, all those things that are built up over those, those years and those crisis points uh, to get you to be able to get to where you are now, to be able to get you to survive and come to a point in your life where you can have the time and space to almost have the breakdown, to have the breakthrough.
0: <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it sometimes happens that way.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, most often, I think it's either a health crisis or a life event that wakes people up into the reality of, you know, maybe there's something different here and something else is going on and starting to question things. But, um, and it is most of the time, you know, when you're in it, it is terrible. It is, it is hard. It is challenging. And generally, it's quite isolating. But mm. the flip side of that is, Getting to live a life on purpose, and you know, being and getting to connect with people that really you feel make a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if somebody I guess is experiencing right now today a bit of poor well-being, what sort of advice or that can you give them around not getting to that you know that breaking point? What could they do right now today?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'd really encourage is just spending 15 minutes, making 15 minutes for space. And by that I mean um, I know that with the current environment and being at home a lot, there's a lot of people in your space and it's actually become even harder to find space by yourself because that's become a limited environmental situation. So to be able to do that even, for me, it's not even about physical space, it's about mental space and it's about making time for me to sit down and have 15 minutes to just let my imagination run wild or to open and do some breathing. And when I say open, I mean just sit down and think what else is possible you know there's no harm in imagining what the future might be like there's no harm in thinking when this is over there's no harm in um, being able to let yourself wander to those places as long as you're not attaching to the things that are coming up right so just noticing what you notice and observing what comes to your mind about these things and I think that that goes a long way, doing doing something in that space every day. And even if you're doing it while you're doing the washing up, um, and I know a lot of our clients are mothers or people with conflicting responsibilities. So getting that space and time for themselves is actually really challenging. And I just sort of say the key way for me, especially with a young child myself, is in the shower. You know, I take 15 more minutes longer than what I am supposed to (laughs) or need to uh to have that time as thinking time you know put on your elevator music put on your whatever you need to light a candle if that's your, your vibe then you know be where you need to be in that and just give yourself that space rather than even time to let your mind wander and see what comes up for you without judgment without um connecting to it
0: Mm, that's beautiful thank you for sharing so at a groovy enlightened life we we talk a lot about um, aligning to our soul's purpose and living to our highest potential how do you find like a a person's well-being journey um, plays into that
1: Uh, I feel like it's central to that because from there that's building your vitality it's building your sense of connection and it's building what we call your way or in spiritus and so that really is the process of you perhaps uh, seeking out different ways to do things and working with maybe a bunch of different techniques or tools or people but then you're disseminating it back into your own version and that doesn't mean that you go ahead and rip people's work off because we definitely don't advocate for that but what it does mean is that you take the pieces that really resonate with you and they really feel good with you. For you and you take those pieces and you build your own thing you make it your own you change it to the extent that it's not identifiable as somebody else's you put your uniqueness on it part of that is through advocating for uh doing experimentation and then creating a practice I mean eventually then your practice is your own and it's not somebody else's anymore so um Having that sense of well being with all those different aspects and just sorting, starting to think of things from a zoomed out view on the map. You know, you've got your local, here's your house. You think of Google Maps, right? You think, here's your house, next thing out, here's the suburb, here's the wider um, state, here's the country, here's, and you keep zooming out, and all of a sudden you see the entire earth, right? So that's part of it. Um, in the approach to understand that can you zoom out of perspective? Can you just take a step back and is there something else at play here?
0: Mm. And I guess um once you develop that you know unique practice for yourself, I mean, just living in alignment to that can just bring you, I don't know so much peace and and joy to your life, I imagine.
1: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. The path of ease is not without challenge, right it's still there's still days where I get up and I'm like oh it's awful (laughs) it's not working of course but part of that is the recognition of where are those feelings actually coming from what's transpired in the last 24 hours to where I'm having these sensations where I'm feeling this way and that's point of inquiry then that's the point to sort of look at and go oh hang on there's that old pattern coming up of shame there's that old pattern of coming up of um feeling as though what I'm offering is not enough where it's not good enough and then looking at okay well that's where my evidence can kick in where then do I have the evidence to say the contrary where do I have this these options and these points to show me that What I'm actually doing, if I help even one person and if that person is myself, job done. Like that's a good day. That's working. That's what it is. And I think especially in business, there's so much pressure put on ourselves by ourselves and especially if you have come from that corporate A-type background where it was about doing up and proving your worth and getting it done, Um, that is a huge pressure and burden to put on yourself and a big whacking stick to sort of go this needs to work because I have these metrics of, you know, bottom line issues Mm, that I need to make sure are working. So, yeah, switching your view of what you're measuring against and understanding is it me putting that in place or is it, you know, where is that limitation? Yeah, where's that restriction coming from? I think that helps as well in that situation.
0: Yeah, and I imagine, you know, we we tend to compare ourselves, the way we're doing business and our work or living our lives, the lifestyle that we have compared to others, and that can play on our our minds and we really need to get to that place. Like you said before, we just really got to be self-aware of who we are and what works for us and then accept it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the acceptance I think is possibly, for Mm. me, is still the most challenging part because... To move it from being a thought and something that, like if someone says something and I can feel the truth of what they're saying, I feel a little tingle or I feel like, oh, yeah, a deep-down gut reaction of, yeah, that. Um, That's the first stage. And then moving that into an actual belief and from just being a concept or a thought about something that's where I really that's where my practice kicks in right and I look at okay well what is it in all of that that I can't feel 100% comfortable with yet is there a certain bit to it or is there something that actually when I'm thinking about it there's a person who comes into my head from years back who might have affected the way my view of being able to accept that as my own truth is, you know, and if that's the case, is there some forgiveness or um, is there something that I need to do as a purposeful action in being able to reconcile that for myself? And quite often it's just simply um, forgiving myself in that situation. It's not even about forgiveness to the other person. It's me. It's yeah. I forgive me for the fact that I didn't even know I didn't know what I didn't know and yeah. there's no shame in yes. that, right?
0: Absolutely. So, yeah,
1: I think that that's a really a really strong way when I look at it and how I deal with it for myself to be able to um, move through those times too.
0: Mm-hmm. Now we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, the state of the world. We're recording this in April 2020 um, just to give people a bit of perspective. Uh, so with the events and stuff going on in the world, I mean, I look at it as an amazing opportunity, not only for businesses um, to repaint the landscape, for how they do business, um, but also individuals in, in those workplaces or if they work solo. What are your thoughts around it?
1: Yeah, so we and myself included, when I say I talk we all the time with we, about we being, because um, to me, it's an entire, well, it's an entire community and it's an entity on its own right my view and our view of that is actually one of yeah intense but incredible opportunity and knowing that uh the last time that this level of change came through the world was really after the second world war and um you watch something like downton abbey and you'll see the changes that came from that you'll see the fall of the class system you'll see the disruption of the industrial revolution you'll see a massive push away from master-servant mentality. Um, But that then brought with it certain elements of change that was about more inclusion of women in the workforce. But then at the same time during the war and then after the war, okay, that's great, back in your box, you know. And so we'll see this bit of a flux still kind of happen. But these new ways, and I was having this conversation yesterday About um, the fall of one of the Australian airlines and what's possible now off the back of that, and this person was expressing views about how terrible it was, and I I don't disagree. You know, it is—it's a huge crisis situation. Uh, But what I said to them was that, well, we don't know what the next technology is, and maybe something like that needed to happen in order to a get them to innovate or be pull forward plans that they had for 10, 20 years' time, things that people are working on, exactly. to pull that technology forward and to make that the focus. And it doesn't even have to be under the same branch or business name or company or whatever. Sometimes it needs a whole new name in order to have a whole new energy with it and to therefore ground it and land it as to be what it needs to be. So I said, you know, it's, it's like when people have spoken about Uber doing the on-demand um, personal aircraft services and things like that, you know, this makes space then for things like that to be able to happen. It makes space for all sorts of things to change. Like all of a sudden, if there's no airlines like that and we change to some other, we make the transition to some other technology... And uh, that means a change to real estate values, no more flight paths. That means a change to travel and hospitality and the impacts that has this decentralisation of the centralised hubs that they've created. You know, there's so many changes that come off that. It's the butterfly effect, right? So to me, the, the time and opportunity and space for innovation is definitely coming with this. But to be able to access that, you need to have a sense of calm and Mm -hmm. a sense of well-being within yourself because if you go into that with a fight-or-flight mentality, what's going to be created off the back of that is going to be more of the same and that ultimately doesn't serve the highest purpose and the outcome of what's possible with this opportunity.
0: Oh, absolutely. We are a creative energy everywhere right now this is a perfect i keep describing as just a blank canvas anything is possible right now people so if if you want to do it do it right now Have a go and like you said come from that inner space um you know i've been called to you know and a number of other people i've been talking to have been called to get that calm to go back in find the peace and the calm and creating from that space And, and that's what you know i'd like to share with other people is to come from that space exactly what you're saying get that well-being come from that space not from the the head thinking the bottom line type approach
1: right because the other flip side of that then is when we're saying now is the time people then go into oh well I feel the pressure that I need to move right and this is I need to hustle I need to do I need Mm -hmm. to grab my opportunity like everybody's saying this is the opportunity there's no too late there's That's no exactly right. you've missed the boat there's different versions of that but uh I know that a lot of us in this space we've been on the leading edge and the bleeding edge for years so it's okay it's okay like even if you're thinking of innovating right now you're still more like, more than likely 10 20 years ahead of where most of the collective as a society is actually at so don't feel this pressure there's no need for that and you know even as I'm saying this it's a message back to myself right because we can get caught up in I need to get this right I need to prove this I need to make this work I need to get the runs on the board this is the opportunity uh, yeah, freak yeah. out that's it right but Keep coming back to everything that is unfolding and happening is in order to serve the potentiality. Mm. And if you can sit in that space of potentiality and respond to the timing instead of looking at the time all the time, then you're going to get far more advantageous things come out of being in that space than just the limitations of what you've constructed with your mind as the possibility right it it, it can unfold in ways that you never even thought possible if you sit in that space
0: absolutely you you sit and you surrender essentially
1: then just respond (laughs) and respond to that (laughs) right as you feel in that timing yes yes or no this isn't right now this isn't for me this isn't my truth you know
0: yeah absolutely so for you what would be the ultimate outcome from the what we're experiencing in the world right now? What do you vision for the future?
1: Yeah, so definitely what I mentioned in terms of our social mission, like for us to achieve, and when I say achieve, I mean meet people in their well-being and be able to support that for them to be and become a well-being. And that's something that's completely personal for people. I can't tell you what your version of well-being is. Only you know that. Only you know what it feels like to have vitality and awareness and doing things in your way. So for us, first and foremost, that's probably our short-term um, hope and desire for everything that's happening as, as a human species and as the collective. And in the long term, it really is about um, enabling that on a much larger scale and helping people to to do the things that they want to do in life more easily and quickly and in the way that feels great for them because um, my personal journey with that has been that that's really then enables me to do more of the stuff that I love to do which is spend time with my family and my friends and Spend time creating, like that's that's my real jam, right? Anything that's futurist, I'm totally there. (laughs) So we've got a list of projects and things as long as my arm about um, services and about support that we're rolling out in that space. But for me personally, it's about innovation. It's about the opportunity to really bring things that haven't been seen before, have different ways of um, being in the experience of what it is to be human and almost, in effect, learning how to be human in a completely different mm. way, you know?
0: Yeah, I love that. <laughs> being human in a different way, I love it. <laughs> Very exciting times, I believe yeah, anyway. me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Leah. Are there any final words of wisdom you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I think it just goes down to become a practicing in your discernment and really if you listen to something if you read something if you take something on board or you get involved in something learn to be able to sit and disseminate what you need and leave what you don't because not everything is for you all the time and even if you get called to something that really speaks to you and then once you get in there, you're like, "Mm, this isn't what I (laughs) thought it was, then learn to trust that and learn that it's okay to leave and when you leave, take with that the elements that are your responsibility. So if you've been triggered in something, then take that and go, oh, hang on, the whole opportunity and me paying $7,000 for a thing, Was and I'm, you know, I'm just random numbers for a thing. Was for me to actually learn that I didn't need to take that sense of shame anymore. I don't need, uh, I can actually be assertive in what my needs are, or I can learn forgiveness for myself. So, yeah, just really sit with being discerning and learning to understand what your truth feels like for you because that's going to be different for everybody.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Thank you very much, Leah.
1: Thank
0: you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Leah has an amazing mission and passion for helping you become a well-being. I encourage you to get involved with her work and her communities. And if you'd like to find out more about Leah and her work, head to sagacityrising.com forward slash A-G-E-L 022. And if you'd like to hang out with some like minded people who are all about improving their well being, head to sagacityrising.com forward slash community. Thank you once again for taking time out of your life to listen to the podcast today. Stay groovy, my friends. My out.